Welcome to the Disconnection Podcast. My name is Ori Kutiel, and I'm going to be your host for today's show. My guest today is Taylor DeVille Horowitz. And man, I'm so fucking happy to have you on the show because like, dude, we've been friends for forever. Absolutely. Like I've known you since I was what, like 12 years old, I think. Yeah. It's gotta be at least 12. Yeah. Yeah. And like we, we met on a teen tour, which for whoever doesn't know, like it's basically like traveling summer camp for kids. Um, mostly like white Jewish American kids from Long Island, but you know, like somewhere in the mix there, like a, a kid from California you know, like ended up on my teen tour. Luckily, my mom's from uh, Long Island, so I kinda, yeah. That's, so yeah, that, that's, that's how the mentality came. there. That's much. how it carries over. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, it's, man. It's bizarre to think about it, but uh, it's nice to have you in California. What's been like? We've done this for at least ten years. You've been doing this trip. Yeah. So I think I've been coming out here since I was fourteen, like a freshman in high school, and I was on that teen tour with my friend Mark Zylus, um, who also from Tenafly, also part of the fam, um, who you met and got to know over the course. Oh yeah, of course. Well, and then you Alice. you showed you showed me like basically like a culture shock. You showed me like like the California lifestyle and the the very different kind of ins and outs of where you came from. And it wasn't just from like the way you acted, but or or the way you dressed. It was like you took the time to like kind of like break it down for me and say like, hey, there's a whole another world, right, out there, different from what you're used to. And I bring this up because it was very impressionable on me even though you're only a year older than me and you know we're like we were always very close it was like it was very impressionable on me as a kid to be like there's so much more out here like what the fuck like you know like where i am is is uh uh it it felt so insignificant compared to like the bigger picture of where other people are from and i think that traveling summer camp kind of thing where i got to meet meet people from different walks of life had like a big impression on me I mean, how was it for you when we were kids? I think it, it was extremely impressionable at the time, too, because I could say I had the exact, or not opposite, but I had the same thing going on with me, where I was not necessarily, like, big on Biggie and, uh, you know, Mob Deep and all sorts of things that are just, you know, fluid in New York, where it's just, you kind of can't pass it. Like, everybody kind of knows about it, and it's just part of life, where I have Andre Nicotina and a lot, I mean, a bunch of different music. So it, it, the simplest way to put it is, our, our common interest was music and us to be able to show completely different cultures from east to west, I think is what really brought us together. And then on top of that, just from the shock of that itself, really kind of um, laid the, the groundwork for everything else as far as our communication and uh, our interests and whatnot. Yeah, our music taste has always been like very like aligned in a way. Yeah, and it's just like growing up in a way where you kind of like you're a middle schooler or a high schooler and, you know, there's a different type of genre going on at the time or whatever's hot back then is... Uh, you know, a lot different from what it is now, or, or if you're, um, you know, when you're like 16, you're in way different stuff than you are now. And us both being 16 and kind of at that, like, not an angsty age, but whatever kind of matches that, like say punk rock for like the angsty years and like, you know, the kind of laid back years of hip hop and stuff like that is really what we were able to kind of like show each other in a weird way. Yeah. Cause it wasn't like, we were, it thought- was even before we were 16, we were probably like 12 or something like sure. that. It was even before my bar mitzvah. I remember this man. It was like, mm-hmm. we were in middle school at that point. Yeah, I, I think the first time I came out here was when I was like fourteen. I believe, and so. we and we started like trading that kind of music and like showing each other because you played bass mm-hmm. at the time. What made you start like playing bass? The whole thing kind of started with, um, you know, a lot of kids want to grow up and be a rock star. They want to do something that's kind of 
loud and not necessarily obnoxious, but something that draws enough attention to you to be an individual in a way. But being out in Southern California, it's uh, easy to kind of go for like the rock star lifestyle or the wanting to be the skateboarder or the, you know, pro surfer, just whatever's Southern California. Um, for me, starting all the way back, I would say it's basically my interest in like music growing up, like riding my dad's car and him showing me like heavy metal music, which was a lot of like glam rock from Los Angeles. And I thought that was super cool. And I wanted to be a rock star because of that. So being from Southern California, seeing what my dad was into and, you know, also being young where it's like, I'm either going to be a firefighter or a, a rock star or, a, you know, anything, you know, you could think of is, is doable. So I, of course, wanted to be a rock star at that age. And I thought, you know, there's good, I got to fit in by playing guitar. So my dad was sweet enough to get me my first guitar. When I got it, I hated it. I was terrible <laughs> at it. I didn't have the patience to do it or the maturity and how young were you at the time were you like well like i was i must have been at least 11 or 12 years old so i was very like nice and kind of him for him to go out on a limb to like you know try to make this happen but my parents were supportive they were gonna let me do whatever i wanted to do at the time but uh for him to financially like let that happen it was it was awesome and uh with that i just was terrible i wasn't mature so and with that being said it wasn't like he was going to buy drums and figure the next thing out so playing guitar sucked at that Somehow I got, I picked up the bass. I loved it. It seemed a lot simpler. And somebody way, way, way back must've told me that, you know, it's the glue between the drums and the guitar. And I thought, okay, that's my way to like fit in, in every situation I can. Yeah. So in the middle. Yeah. And I took that for more than just being in a band. I thought it was also like a social cue to fit in, in a way. It was basically symbolic of being able to play something. So you fit in a band, but you're also putting yourself out there to communicate with others in a, in a different yeah. way outside of just music. I also started playing drums around like 10 or 11 and, and I picked drums in that kind of way too, because I wanted to fit in and be part of a bigger group, right? Like be part of like, be able to mesh in. Absolutely. Um, and we got to jam, you know, we've jammed a couple of times. Oh, like, yeah, yeah we, we, we jammed it here in California Right now we are in Carlsbad. We're actually in in uh, the home that you pretty much grew up in. Yeah, it's 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 uh, nice to be back at my mom's house. Um, yeah, it's it's good to be back. It's basically how we've done this trip most of the times. Yeah, for the past here. like ten years, we've been staying like like around here. And uh, but you did you you weren't born in California, right? I was born in California. You weren't. Born, I was born in Los Angeles. And you were born in L.A. Yeah, but your your family's like mostly from out east, like your dad's side of the family. My mom dragged my father out here before I was born, so... Oh, before you were born, okay. Yeah, I, I have no idea what exact time, but basically they got married and he was forced to move out here. And so they moved to some, like the greater Los Angeles area. I think they moved to Orange County and then Los Angeles and they've, he's, he's been here since and so has my mom. So they're, they still talk with a thick New York accent, they still have the same mentality. Um, nothing's really changed from being from back east. The only difference is now that they're adapting to being in California. So I've been blessed to have that blood of being from New York and kind of fitting, feeling I fit in better with people from back east. Just the way I talk, the way um, my sarcasm, just a lot of the stuff that I've molded into as I find, you know, after like 21, 22, you kind of figure out yourself a little bit better than when you're like 18 and below. All that stuff that I've kind of molded into is really just from my parents being transplants and how they've adapted, you know, just like any type of other migration, you know, people tend to adapt to that. And it's, I get best of both worlds from being from family from New York and being able to go back and adapting and everybody, all my, some of my best friends like yourself are back there. So 
it's nice to be able to have my world of being from California where it's laid back, but also being uh, fast paced at the same time. People from California walk with their head in the sky with nowhere to go. People from New York walk with their head down like they have somewhere to be. And I basically walk really fast with my head in the sky, pretty much. <laughs> Somewhere in between. Yeah, I fall into in between and I get both the best of both worlds. And at the same time, I can kind of take the good with the bad and kind of claim what is, uh, you know, true to California for myself or true to New York. And those are some of my good and bad traits. What did you do first? Uh, art or play music? Like, what, what was your first, like, expressive outlet when you were a kid? <clears throat> art, absolutely. Art, when did you start? Uh, what did you start with? Drawing? Painting? Yeah, I mean, I started... Doodling, like, what was your first, like, medium? Well, I got the name Taylor the Terrorist at age three because I used to go and basically vandalize people's property with... Oh, my God. (laughs) No wonder uh, you love graffiti. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, that's where it kind of stemmed from. But what happened was is uh, my parents would leave me for two minutes, and I was just a nightmare. And I would basically find the nail polish in the room and redo someone's fully furnished house with red nail polish on all-white furniture. Um, and that's just one story out of Mad and Many. And that in particular story is what I got the name Taylor the Terrace from. And that was at age <laughs> three. So I was always out and about painting on whatever I could, marking the walls up, uh, experimenting with whatever colors I could. And it, I got that from bouncing around on my dad's lap when he was uh, painting as an airbrush artist in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, because your dad's an, an artist as well. Too. Right, right. And uh, so, I mean, he's been doing it forever and he's he's one of the best. And I don't just say that because he's my dad, but because of the way his style is and the way he's, his technique is, it's very timeless. I mean, the guy is a professional at making cars and all sorts of stuff that it's just beautiful work. And airbrush isn't that easy. It's it's all in your head as well. And, and the physical application is half of it. So to see him do it at an early age is really where I got my start. So I would, you know, bounce around his lap when he was trying to paint, telling me to be still and uh, just like screwing him up and stuff. And that's where I really kind of learned. And he gave me my own pencils and different things to do. And my parents fully supported it. So, um, yeah, I made I made so much art then that my mom would have to wrap up like paintings and things I do as like gift wrap for like presents and certain things. She'd have to like <laughs> give it away physically as yeah. part of a gift. But yeah, that's definitely and and. Uh, I'd say I I got into music because I was I felt that I was creative with art and I liked that outlet. But as being a creative, um, you kind of try to test the waters in different things like music. You see what if you if you feel comfortable in one thing, you tend to see what else you're good at as well. So at a young age, I had the opportunity to basically uh, you know try art and try music at the same time amongst you know, sports and other things as, as anybody does growing up, I just happened to excel at art, which is a blessing and a curse because with art, I was less social. I tend to keep to myself and didn't really know how to express myself, but I could make, you know, really cool paintings or I can do stuff that, you know, impress my teachers, my, um, my parents, you know, stuff like that. Let's talk about like your phases. Like what was your first phase? Uh, your dad must have been like your first real teacher in that kind of way, right? Mm-hmm. But who was like the next person that like really like made an impression on you? Uh, the Rugrats on on Nickelodeon, that and Ren and Stimpy. I'd say most of my art to this day is influenced from what I watched as an early age, and I got really fortunate with some of the stuff that was on television at that age. Um, for a lot of people that grew up in the '90s, we had we were fortunate to have a lot of toned down stuff like Hey Arnold and. Uh, you know, Rugrats and, you know, not Ren and Stimpy, which that was, that was a little less tame, but I got both of those. And so being able to see that type of color be used, um, the palettes that they use, the how kind of raw it really was, that's what really I got my interest from in the first place is from 
those examples. And that's what comes in my art now. But I'd say the first influence was basically trying to recreate those types of drawings, like animation in a way is just, mm-hmm. is what I got my interest in. So it's more like animation, illustration. Absolutely. Geared. Absolutely. Because my dad was an illustrator and I, I wouldn't say I got that gene, but I had that bug at an early age where I, you know, I felt like I want to do what he does. I also wanted to, um, learn how to draw that well and be able to draw the animations of what the faces do and, or not faces necessarily, but what the emotions show on a, on each person's face and be able to show excitement and, you know, sadness and this and that. And I thought it was just so mind boggling that animations were able to do that. So I, I thought I had to do this, you know, between my dad and that. So you started with illustration and animation drawing. Um, I'm sure you probably spent many classes doing like doodles in your notebooks and everything. Right. Like, and but what did that evolve into? At first it started with doodling in the notebook, but I was so distracted from education that it became a problem to where I had teachers telling my parents at like PTA meetings and, uh, parent teacher meetings, like, Hey, your kid's drawing so much. Like he needs to like tone it down. I had one teacher because I was so distracted in class, she told my mom that I was going to be either in jail or a mental hospital Jesus. by the time <laughs> I was 18 and I would not be successful because I draw so much and that art's like a negative thing to be doing. That's a terrible thing to say. Like, Oh yeah. Like, like to a mom, like for a kid like that, come on. Like, oh, it stuck with me for years because wow. she told my mom about it and how horrible that made me feel. So, um, after that, I kind of not really screwed things up. I didn't really get punished for being creative, but I had to kind of tone it down. And with that, I kind of experimented with more abstract work, things that I wasn't familiar with or um, just trying to draw different with different colors and just trying to make cool stuff. But I also did like cool graphical type stuff where it looked like it could be on a surfboard or a lot of the stuff of what I was still influenced by television, like the early stuff and whatnot, but still kind of creating more abstract and, uh, you know, design like creatures and characters and stuff like that. Just still experimenting because I was you know, still really young. And, uh, the early stuff was a lot of just abstract stuff, experimental stuff, and then still trying to illustrate at the same time. So it's just finding what I felt comfortable because I got comfortable with being able to draw in a notebook and draw on everything and, you know, wreck other people's stuff. So I, I wanted to kind of see what my niche was or see what was going to be successful for me at an early age. Cause I saw other successful artists, you know, in magazines on television, this and that, and thought, wow, that's so cool. Like they're doing one thing and one thing only it felt like and then I felt like I had to do that and so that's kind of the early stages of trying to experiment and just getting out of just doodling constantly so how did you get into graffiti graffiti started after I got comfortable with using spray paint I painted a lot of surfboards um that was a lot of fun I was basically doing that for ever since I was like 15 16 went to college in Oakland had never spray painted on like anybody's stuff and was really good about it and had this whole thing in my head about just, you know, always to this day, I still go with as long as you're not like wrecking someone's property or hurting somebody or hurting yourself, then you can pretty much get away with it. But when I got up there, I rethought of things because I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe I like to, you know, maybe we can share their stuff or maybe like what I'm hurting myself isn't that bad. I'll feel better tomorrow. So once I got to college and, you know, your mind kind of expands from being in a very small town like Carlsbad next to the ocean, it's a nice little sea village, to going to like Oakland, which was a whole nother mm-hmm. ballgame. Yeah. And being the first time I was actually like independent for the most part. So I was able to make my own choices. And one of those choices was, oh, how am I going to like fit in again? And 
what am I doing that I'm interested in still? And that was spray paint and my SoCal roots of, you know, surfing and skateboarding, this and that. But I was a fish out of water up there. And I, I saw the huge influence of graffiti. And I said, I could do this. I saw a lot of stuff I didn't like. And that's always been like something that's been with my art is I'll do stuff because I want to do it my, my way or it's as a resolution to something. I don't like the way this guy did it. And I think I, for my own challenge, I can do it. It's nothing against them. It's just, I think I can do something different. I'd like to see what is, what is missing from that. If I try to do it my way, do I result, do I get more out of it that way? Is, is the oh, fully, yeah. is, is it fully like, is there any resolution past what that person did by myself doing mm-hmm. it? And That's evolution right there. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you fall on your face and you say, you know what, that, that guy did it that way, and it's this is why he did it, and I'm I, and if I, I tried it and I sucked at it, it, it didn't work out, and a lot of it was just basically seeing people's letters and the, the stuff that they were doing. I thought it was really elementary because everybody moved up there and was you know trying to do the same thing I was doing, and I didn't like it, so I just stuck with um, drawing in my black book forever, not really showing anybody any stuff, and then I would go out by myself and spray paint, and then eventually you start seeing other people kind of out and about, and you kind of people you know start sharing information after a while and your closer friends kind of find things out that's when kind of things just sparked and i found myself literally going out every single night while i was at college i'd still get up and go to school the next day and just i would just be a zombie or you know make coffee be my best friend but yeah i was basically out there on a mission to pretty much just wreck everything i could i think it had to do a lot with um just depression in a way it was really me wanting to I've still felt really entitled because I was an 18 year old kid that just moved up there. So I felt like I had the world as mine. And then I was also feeling like I was from another place and not fitting at the same time. So I wanted to make my mark and I also wanted to see my name everywhere. I wanted to have that validation of, oh, um, you know, I fit in my own way or my name is as important as whatever else is, you know, going on. Because I wasn't necessarily one of the cool kids in like high school. I was, you know, the artsy type, but. I wasn't a jock. I wasn't like a surfer. I kind of fell fell in the fell in the middle. So going up there, I was like able to be a new person again. And that's my uh, my aesthetic was going to be that I was going to be a graffiti artist in a way, or be really successful at doing graffiti now because I felt comfortable in my own skin doing it. When did you start working like professionally as an artist? Was that even before college? Yeah, before college, I was starting to work professionally by doing uh, surfboards, by spray painting designs on surfboards. I got my start through my uh, my good friend, Charlie Stevens. He got me into surfboard art in the first place because he's a professional surfboard or surfboarder. He's a professional surfer. And watching him surf, watching how his vernacular was, watching just everything about him, how like he was very confident and how cool he was because he was really good at what he did, drew me into surfing and then being like, how am I going to fit into this? You know, I suck at surfing. Charlie's oozing confidence where I'm this kid that's like trying to figure things out. This like scrawny 15 year old kid just trying to like make things make sense of things. And, uh, but he gave you a shot. He, he, yeah, he you spray paint his boards, right? Yeah, the funny thing is he showed me how to spray paint a board and how he did it. And I thought this is so easy because he made it look really easy. And I thought I could do it better. It wasn't a knock on him. I just thought, okay, well, if I use my creativity and what I've already learned, this can be a lot of fun. And then I started by painting surfboards. And then my goal was to get in every surf magazine we could. And we did that. We got in like eight different mag, eight to ten different magazines. Yeah, what did you get into? Where, where, where... 
Um, we did, oh, I mean, it's sad now that some of the companies are out of business, but we did uh, Transworld, we did Surfer, we did, uh, what, what was the, uh, we did an Australian magazine. We've done international, national, local, I mean, everything. And so it was able to, we were able to get a lot of art in different places that we really wouldn't be able to see it. And uh, I remember we got like our first major ad. We basically had like a, a party at my mom's house when she was out of town. And <laughs> luckily all the furniture. Sorry, Judy. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, but we basically, you know, had uh, all the furniture put into the, the garage and we made a big deal out of it. And we had the, the magazine open to the page that it was on and we had like this big party to celebrate the, you know, the future of things. And it was, it was just such a, nice moment in time that it stuck with me and, I, and it was like almost like a high that we had to keep maintaining so after doing the magazines we started doing um different individuals within surfing we would do their boards i was starting to reach out and get confidence and then eventually some companies would pay me to do graphic work or stuff within my style um i've had companies buy my stuff i've had companies steal my stuff i've done collaborations i've done everything within this not everything but a good majority in the surf industry i was drawing by hand i was painting by hand and i was doing a lot of one of everything i paint one surfboard do one design because everything was done by markers and everything besides a computer and i said okay how am i going to go from making one of something to hundreds or a thousand of something how am i going to go from making stuff in san diego to international buyers uh maybe do stuff in japan you know think outside the box a little bit and i just went from thinking very closed-minded to really wanting to expand things and so that's why i figured i have to go to i'd have to go to an art school or i'd have to do something within art and continue it and what happened was is i said okay well the next thing i need to do is um figure out everything digitally because that's what happened with my dad he was an airbrush artist and then the computers wiped him out and then he had to basically either work twice like triple the pace he was doing or have to relearn everything by doing it on a computer so i figured okay if that's how it ended for him that's gonna end for me no i don't think so so what i did is i figured out how to do everything on the computer started doing my art by hand and then scanning to the computer so even this day i still like to freehand illustrate things but then i'll scan to the computer and save a lot of time by coloring it correcting it doing stuff like that so when i was in school i figured out how to do everything by the computer and i made a lot of horrible art and wasted a lot of time and had a lot of fun and having fun while wasting a lot of time practicing is what inevitably became why I'm successful at doing it now because now I know I have to be efficient and I can't bullshit with people I have to tell them look I can do this job or I can't do this job the money that you're going to give me to do this isn't going to motivate me or the project itself isn't going to motivate me but I need the money so it's it's the balance between the two but with having that knowledge of, uh, you know, what I was doing wrong all those years or necessarily, not necessarily what was wrong, but what was, could have been done better or faster by being on the computer. I learned a lot, took it over and didn't want to make those mistakes again. So I started going out of my way to ask clients, how can I fix this? Or I'd find things that were wrong and say, you know, hey, this is wrong and we can fix it this way. I wouldn't go insulting people, but I would say, you know, we can get the attention you want from this demographic or hey we can you know get more attention by doing it things differently and explaining that not by saying oh this is shit you guys are screwing up and need to do something completely different but also saying or not necessarily saying that but but saying if we did something different we can get a lot more out of it why not try something different if it's going to make money at the end of the day 
And that was what got me a lot of work is that my work spoke for itself. I was able to do things in a timely manner and people knew what they were getting and they'd come to me because they wanted that certain style. So even to this day, I put myself out there trying to get work. But a lot of the work that comes to me is because the people have seen what I do and what I love to do anyways. Do you feel like you had more uh, creative freedom working in the skate industry or the surf industry? I'd say I had more creative freedom in the surf industry because it was fairly newer at the time. There weren't a lot of people painting surfboards. There weren't a lot of people doing... I mean, there were people doing digital graphics. People have been doing that forever, but it was not as saturated when I was doing it. And it was also a lot more forgiving because of my age. Did you ever find like a way to like really like monetize the graffiti aspect of the of the art i've had a couple successes with that but i wouldn't say it was um like have you done any murals or yeah i've i've worked for concert companies doing murals i've done um not like birthdays or bar mitzvahs or anything but i've done <laughs> like some like functions where they've asked for somebody to come out um i've done mostly concerts though i've done at least yeah, I've done at least like uh, four or five concerts where they've had they've paid me to come out and do uh, do murals or work with somebody. I had the opportunity of uh, being the art director for uh, basically a rave that they had down at like in off the pier in San Diego, and I had artists come out and we worked on three different panels and I did one letter and the whole word said abstract, which was the name of the festival, and so each artist did that and uh, that was long story short. One of the DJs that were there wanted to buy that piece and that never came through with the payment and we basically left that piece sitting in my dad's house to this day <laughs> so it's just sitting in my dad's garage rotting away and the other artists probably think i just pocketed the money and it uh just just ran off with it or something but no uh that was that was one of the last ones i did but no i've done a couple of concerts and i've haven't made too much success on it because it's also something i don't feel confident in doing i have a lot of friends that are better graffiti artists or that are better businessmen in that and what they're doing is is perfect for that type of industry. What I'm doing is perfect for myself, but it's not something I really want to advertise as saying I would do this as the best person to do this. I know that in my graphics, I know in my illustrations, that's something I can 100% do for them. I just don't want to be out there at a you know graffiti yard redoing my lines a hundred times wasting someone's time is graphics and uh like digital illustration your main outlet right now absolutely yeah that's my bread and butter aside from doing like video editing for money i do graphic design well tell me about that when did you get into video editing so i went back to school like two years ago to, or no, like two and a half years ago to get my bachelor's degree. Cause my, my grandmother passed away. I got some inheritance. I said, the best thing I'm going to do with that is go back to school. And so <clears throat> with that being said, I went back to school and went and finished graphic design with, got my associate's degree for that. And then went and got my graph or my bachelor's for videography. Cause like my brother was doing, my stepbrother was doing it. Um, and he was really good at it. And I also, as I grew up singing in the shower, you know, growing up kind of just seeing things on TV, just all sorts of little hints kind of led up to me always wanting to edit. I always thought I could put music together because I'd listen to these skate videos while watching them. I'd love these songs, but I would want to redo 
video my own way or I found music on the radio I would want to put to skateboarding or just different things I wanted to do my way. And this kind of goes back to like the like making resolutions for graphics that I see. It just was another outlet that I really kind of wanted to touch into, but never really had the opportunity. So when I got into school, I found the opportunity to work with teachers that were really good at making videos and kind of seeing things from a different perspective as far as like being a director and whatnot. So I found my niche in that and wound up being in love with short documentaries and basically being a storyteller in that way. I, I mean, ever since I was like 18, I've always watched documentaries and I love them. And then when I got into college, I saw how I could do it in my own way and I just fell in love with it. And then that's what I really wanted to cater towards is making stories about people or people giving me their footage and editing it. I didn't really want to be the guy in front of the camera at all. I just wanted to be the guy in the back that kind of makes everything look cool and is able to, give a certain feel or emotion to that. So I loved it because it, it was something that was further than doing 2D drawings and whatnot. It was the next thing. I hear you, man. That's uh, that's one of the reasons that I got into editing myself is to be able to help assemble the story, not from in front of the camera, but behind the scenes and be a part of the unit. And it's it's very interesting to work in a digital video medium because illustration is... You know, with digital illustration, you lay it down and you can erase, you can go back, you can edit. But with like uh, graffiti and, you know, like uh, pencil and drawing and everything or, or and art and everything, you you lay it down and what you're laying down is uh, is, is, what, is what's not going to be on the page. So do you find that you work better in, let's call it a live situation, like a street art situation? Or do you, do you think you work better behind a computer? I'd say live because that's also my problem with a lot of the stuff I or used to do. Um, I wouldn't ever make sketches. I would just go for it. I would, you work from your head. Yeah. A lot of the time I would do that. And it was really hard for me to explain that to, I mean, clients don't really want that. Oh, here, let me give you some money and you're just going to make up something that's off the top of your head. Yeah. Right. I mean, that doesn't really work for most people. So a lot of the time I missed out on doing murals when I was younger, a lot of things like that. Cause I didn't want to come up with a sketch. I had this thing in my head or I'd show something like what I had in mind and that didn't really work. So a lot of the time, a lot of the time I just get lucky. I just have something on the top of my head. And then if I execute that all the way through, then that's great. But sometimes I get halfway through and then I change the whole thing or I see a reference to something like a picture at a comic book. And I want to kind of draw like the face of Thor but I don't really want to draw the body or I want to do something different or maybe I have I run into some problem where I don't like the way I drew it compared to the original or the way that I saw it that one time and then by doing it in my own way I kind of find something different and it's still successful in my own way but it's different from what I thought I was going to start with so where do you get your inspirations from that's a great question it's tougher as I get older I have to push myself to find it. I'm not like a very emotional person. I can kind of, I keep like a pretty good wall up about most things. And a lot of my, like my closer friends, you know, I have no problem explaining how I feel, but even, I mean, maybe it's just about being a guy and that's just kind of the way I was raised and stuff like that, that it's like, we were supposed to put up this wall. So with that being said, I usually don't express a lot of how I feel and explain that. So my way of doing that and not going completely insane is by painting it. I paint from a lot of emotion. If I'm sad, I make some really cool art. And that's that's <laughs> a lot with a lot of really cool artists and things you've seen in history. It's a lot of sadness. It's a lot of dark places and whatever. 
And then I also make stuff when I'm really happy. So I can't figure out what the hell's going on or if it's I'm just crazy, but from extreme happiness and extreme sadness, I get I get really good art. What other outlets will you go to to find inspiration? I'll usually find it from you know, when I do something like go out and go for a walk or do exercise, you know, I'm outside and I see pretty flowers or, you know, a cool color in the sky. Um, the animal park, we, well, we have the uh, safari park here. So the zoo and safari park, I go see, you know, animals and I see the way they move or I see just how they look in a certain light. And that really gets me. Uh, I don't really, it's not like I'm colorblind by any means, but it seems like I see things a little like more vi- like for it to be vibrant and really be something that most people notice that's when I start to like actually pay attention to stuff or have like a better visibility of that so most of the things I make are neon or most of the things that I'm attracted to are neon or whatever and that usually sparks my interest so it's like if it's the perfect lighting and it's the perfect angle of something then I'll be really interested in it but mostly I get I get most of it from nature, honestly. It sounds like nature, yeah. It sounds like it's like a, a natural, like, you know, kind of like the, the colors. And uh, I like the way, the word they use as far as, like, vibrance. Is there a type of philosophy that you try to, like, not show, maybe not so explicitly in your work, but maybe is there some kind of, like, underlying philosophy that binds your work or binds you? Um, I see a lot of my work, it, it tells a story one way or another, and the stories are... A little longer if they're if they're with a lot of emotion or there's a lot of happiness a lot of sadness those are you get really really interesting detailed art and it it really just varies on the amount of detail i'm willing to paint um so depending on the detail you'll be like more minimalist or more naturist or more humanist like yeah i'd say a lot of my work is kind of like a it's a mix between like graffiti and pop art in a way so Things kind of fall, whatever falls into that kind of category is the best way to describe it. But at the same time, I try to find influences by drawing more, you know, floral prints or people. I always try to push myself into draw the things I'm not very comfortable at. I've never been amazing at drawing people or faces and stuff like that. So that takes more time and I don't have a lot of time. So when I want to paint something or tell a story, I better do it quickly. Or if it's for a client, then... They tell me what the story is. I try to keep things for myself and for my clientele very elementary. I, you know, I ask, what colors do you like? What, you know, it's as simple as saying, like, do you like blueberries and do you like strawberries? Do you like yellow? Do you like red? Like, to ask the very basic stuff, not like, do you like a blueberry bush and do you like mustard yellow? You know, it's just to keep things really basic for myself and then kind of build off of that. So that gives you more freedom. That gives you kind of a jumping off point. Yeah, I, it, it's really a, a compromise of the freedom I give myself. Mm-hmm. Whether it be I want to have somewhat of a structure to what I want to make or I really want to make things uh, very loose. But a lot of the time and most of, the, most of my favorite stuff is usually when I'm, I'm given restrictions. What I cannot do. Limitations, and what, yeah. Yeah, the limitations and to kind of fit a goal. And that's what I find more successful a lot of the time, or as I've gotten older, because it's the challenge that I like, and it's the adventure of making that, and how you put the whole thing together, and the scheme of things. So what are you doing now? What's like your main project right now? So right now, I'm trying to get back into painting surfboards like I used to. When I was 16, I had a lot more time on my hands, and I was really adventurous, and 
and really bold, I would go up and kind of insult people in a way <laughs> to be like, hey, you need better art. You know, why do you have a blank board when you're getting this much coverage? And I had a lot of confidence, a lot of fun, and I was able to travel and do really cool stuff with that. And it's not that I'm holding on to like the Wonder Years by any means, but now that I've had that experience, I want to do something like that again. So the goal is to, and I'm, this is what I'm working on right now, it's I'm assembling sort of like a, a list of people, like a team in a way, but a list of people that I really have wanted to work with for probably over 10 years now and figuring out a way to get them art and to push myself to communicate to those people, I want to do this. And this is a project uh, that I'm, you know, dead set on doing and not, you know, not like some hobby or, hey, I'm just some guy on Instagram. Let me, you know, paint your stuff and run off with your surfboards or something like that. I want it to be, you know, a trusting thing where I'm able to put out the best art that these people want and then their followers see that and they're interested because it caters to that individual. It's not that I'm just putting my sticker on something and people say, oh, I noticed that. Cool. I want them to be like, wow, it's really cool that you match this guy's individual style or what his, you know, limitations were that he gave me. Because each person's going to have different stuff that they want to do. Um, there's a, I have a, a friend that, that owns like a, a restaurant that specifically does like fresh fish. I wanted to do this really cool like cut up tuna on the surfboard and, you know, it looked almost like sushi. But I mean, it's all in my head. It looks really cool. But as you can see, if, you know, for the guy who owns a fish restaurant, I want to do that for the guy who had a you know, newborn, maybe like a stork or something, you know, just certain things to cater to each person. It might not necessarily be that. And hopefully they want me to do what I do best. But if they give me that option, then I want to be able to knock it out of the ballpark. What's some advice that you would give to someone? Let's start with, uh, let's start with like high school. What's like, if you could give advice to a high schooler who's getting into art, what would you say to them? I'd say stick with it. If, you, if you're doing it because you enjoy it and it's something that you like to do, focus on those things because I don't think you get a lot of opportunities to really find what you like and be confident. If I was able to tell my you know 16-year-old self that was kind of scrawny and kind of um, you know not a little shy and bashful and not really confident in what he was doing, but I still loved art, I would tell him to keep doing it because that's what they're happy with and if you're genuinely happy, then you're doing the right thing. Because as I said earlier, as long as you're not destroying other people's property and hurting anybody else, you know, great. And you're, you're, it's not a waste of time because as I've found over the years, it's an expression of whatever you're going through. And I'm sure, you know, I have no idea what kids are going through these days, but I couldn't imagine it being much easier than what we dealt with, especially with technology being the way it is. But yeah, if you can find something that you you potentially want to make money out of or you just want to do because you love it then go for it but if i were to really tell like an advanced group of kids so that's my next question like what would you tell like a college age student like someone who's like studying in the school what would you tell them what's a piece of advice now that you've gone through art school and everything well if i were if they're deciding to go to art school then i would i'm not reluctant to tell people to go to art school but i am reluctant to say it's for everybody especially every artist I think if you if you're willing to go in there and exploit your weaknesses then do it because you might be able to find something that you weren't good at but you can make money at I didn't think I went in there thinking I was going to be a web student and make you know cool websites and stuff and I got slapped in the face when I got into my uh, web classes I failed it had to take it over uh, didn't do as well but I passed then I had to do another class 
And it was, a, it was horrible. I mean, the teachers were nice. They were super patient, whatever. But it was a horrible experience because I didn't expect that. And I also didn't try to do anything else. But on the other hand, I got to do video and it was amazing. So with that experience, I'd say try the things that you don't think you're going to like. If you don't like it, it's okay. But if you're something you love, then work on it because it doesn't matter how talented you are. You need to sell yourself on that and you really need to exploit those weaknesses because there are so many people that can do the same thing crappy that it's not worthwhile you wasting your time to do that. What about uh, what about some plugs? Like, Where can people find you? Um, where can they find your art just if they want to check out your stuff? Most of my stuff I, I keep on Instagram. So you can find me at Tay DeVille on Instagram and Twitter. Every, all my handles are at Tay DeVille. And most of the stuff I put out there is usually just for art. Uh, I'm, I usually am so busy with clients or certain things that I can't really share or it just doesn't really, it's not really appeasing to show people like the bones of what I'm working on at the time. So I don't post a lot of stuff on there, but I'll post the most genuine to what I'm, making on there and it seems like over the past couple of years i'm able to kind of keep a certain uh, a certain stack of things that i'm doing whether it be graphics video or illustrations i make a specific type and i do that on there so you can find me at, at tateville on there is that the same for for work if people want to hire you if people want to throw some projects at you where can they find you same place yeah, you can find me there or you can contact me through my website either. Um, yeah, as I said earlier, so at Tateville is a good one. Or you can find me on my website and that's uh, tailordeville.com. I put a lot of my videos up there. Sometimes I switch it to um, graphic design because I have different clientele that want to see different things. And I'm just a little too lazy to have another site built because my friend built my last one. And clearly because I'm a horrible at web, so I had somebody else build it and I just don't want to bother <laughs> them. So the best way is just, you know, through my social media, uh, Facebook, Taylor DeVille, um, Instagram's at Taylor DeVille. So yeah, if you want to get in contact with me directly, sadly, the best way would be through Instagram because I check that the most and that seems to be the way everybody else gets in contact with me. So that's the best way to do it. Cool. All right, well, Taylor, dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I've actually been staying at your house here in uh, beautiful, sunny Carlsbad, San Diego for the past like, 10 days. So thank you for this amazing vacation that you've taken me on, dude. We've been hanging out here, went up to LA, got to hang out with some people, got to see the beach and everything. Um, yeah, man, I love California. It's hard not so to. So thank you for having me here, man, really. Of course, anytime, man. It's it's uh, always a pleasure to have people from out east out here. It's kind of nice to be able to get them to eat tacos in and out with me. So it's always <laughs> yeah. good. Awesome as always. All right. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into the Disconnection Podcast. I'm here in beautiful, beautiful, sunny Carlsbad, San Diego with my buddy, Taylor DeVille Horowitz. Taylor, again, thank you so much for having me here. Thank you for coming on the podcast and everything. This has been an amazing trip to California that I've had. And thank you guys for uh, tuning in, listening to us like week by week. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. And we want to hear from you. We want to know what you guys think of the show. We want to know how to make it better. So please, please, please leave us a review. Leave us a comment. Leave us a like on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, Google Play, the podcast app on your phone. We're everywhere. You can find us wherever you got to find us, whatever app you use. So thank you guys for tuning in. Let us know what you think. Again, thank you for tuning in to the Disconnection Podcast. I've been Ori. I've been Taylor. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Disconnection. Disconnection.